Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, I did mention last week that I was driving a Tesla Model 3, and I was comparing the dash cams that are built into the Tesla itself, as well as having a Navman attached. One of the other things to note, too, is that the Teslas also allow a thing called sentry mode, whereby when the car is parked, it uses the cameras to monitor what's going on around the car in case somebody reverses into it and doesn't leave a note. Good news for those who don't have a Tesla, uh, the most Navman dash cams, and you can check them all, uh, but most of them do have a parking mode. And what that means is that if you leave your dash cam attached to that windscreen and plugged in, that if it detects a bump, literally a small bump, any kind of motion, it will open itself up, start recording, and if that person doesn't leave a note, you'll at least catch them driving away from you. And I absolutely love this feature because in so many cases, especially in car parks, especially around Christmas time, people get a little bit crazy. And especially probably during COVID time where people are rushing in and out of shopping centers, this is extremely important. People are in a rush. People are careless. The end of the world is coming, blah, blah, blah. Parking mode could be the difference between you paying for the, for the repairs or for somebody else rightfully paying for the repairs. And again, that tends to pay off the cost of the dash cam itself anyway. So do check out the entire range at navman.com.au. In the meantime, let's get on with the show. All right, now I did say a little while back that I got a beautiful delivery from St. Hugo. Well, today's bottle is a 2008 St. Hugo Kunawara Cabernet Sauvignon. Have I mentioned before that I absolutely love Cabernet from the Kunawara region? Yes, this is another one. Now, I have to be very quick and brief here on this one because I have to say, people sometimes go, well, who cares about what year it is? And I gotta, I gotta say that when you think about beer, and I love beer, but if I bought a Heineken today and I buy another one in five years' time, they'll taste the same. They'll taste the exact same. The, the, the beer, it's a recipe, it, it's produced, and it always tastes the same, unless they change the recipe, of course. With wine, the thing about wine that I absolutely love is the year that, that those grapes are harvested and the wine that is produced that year does never, ever get repeated. You cannot make or manufacture flavor from wine to be the same year on year. You just can't. And that's why it's so special when you talk about vintages of wine, because a 2008, for example, will always only taste like 2008. There might be similarities between particular years, of course. Same vines, same, same sort of style, but the flavor always is different. And when it's gone, it's gone. So when you talk about something that is from 2008, that is you know, a number of years old now, there are far few of them left on the planet. And it's one of those rarities that once you get to a, a wine that's 20, 30 years old, there's probably a good chance that you may be one of the people having the last bottle of that vintage. And there's something special about that with wine that you cannot replicate when it comes to beer or spirits. It's something special about it. And obviously, for me, I've said it before, I just love their wine. And this isn't a paid promotion, guys. This is just me telling you it's, it's a wine that I fell in love with before I even had a relationship with St. Hugo. Now, tonight we are going to be going through a number of things. First of all, I want to talk about the latest from Fitbit. Uh, Fitbit announced three new products this week, uh, very much focused on health and wellness, which is an interesting factor. Uh, we're going to talk about storage. A lot of people who, you know, talking about backups, connecting drives to your computers or backing up to the cloud, which one's best for you? Let's talk about that. And we've had some reports of some satellites appearing in the sky or the UFOs. 
we're going to talk about Starlink. Now, Elon Musk has Tesla. He has SpaceX. Tesla was really to enable SpaceX, and I'll talk about why SpaceX is so important and why it could actually change how we use our internet in the next couple of years. Let's get on with the show. I have to also say, we are coming up to our one-year anniversary. I couldn't be more excited. I have no idea what wine I'm going to open on that particular episode. Um, I don't know. I have a few ideas, but I don't know what it is. But if you haven't left a review of the show, please go ahead and do that while you're listening to this. It takes a few seconds to add one or five stars. You can go in between if you like, but usually you love it or hate this show. Please pick one or the other. Pick a, pick a side. And uh, look, let's get on with this. I'm so pumped this week to talk tech with you all. All right, first and foremost, Fitbit, uh, recently acquired by Google, if you did not know that. Uh, they are still going through a lot of processing, but you'll actually hear from some of the new products that are coming where Google is starting to add a little bit of tweak to it already. Now, uh, here we have three new products coming out from Fitbit this week. Uh, they're actually yet to arrive on shelves, but we got a very good look at them during the week. Fitbit Sense, S-E-N-S-E, is the first one that they're doing. This is new. Uh, this isn't a you know version two or version three. This is a new uh, fitness-based smartwatch. And I always say fitness-based smartwatch because to be honest, they aren't very good smartwatches. They're very good at health and wellness. Um, that's always what I tell people when it comes to Fitbit. If you really want a very good smartwatch, it's not usually the one for you. If you're planning on actually doing some exercising, tracking how your day is going, that's where Fitbit does shine. One of the first things I'll tell you about the Fitbit Sense is it's got a six plus day battery life. Over six days between charges, uh, anyone who has an Apple Watch, for example, will know that that is bonkers. That means that you can wear it to bed. It means that you can do sleep tracking because you're not worried about it dying. What I love about the Fitbit that I wear, I usually wear, I usually wear the Charge 3. Um, it's small. The battery does last around a week, and then it takes about 20 minutes or so to charge it while I'm working. Uh, with an Apple Watch, you're not wearing it to bed. You're charging it. And uh, six days battery life is amazing, especially when you consider that this is that hybrid style smartwatch slash fitness tracker with that larger display that the Charge 3 that I use has a very small display and is horrible in terms of using um, in any way for a smartwatch. Now, that is fantastic. Now, in the Versa 2 that we saw last year, uh, we had the uh, Amazon voice assistant built in called Alexa. Now, they have done that again um, in the Fitbit Sense, but they're also adding the Google Assistant. You have a choice of asking one or the other your questions, and it could be to set an alarm. It could be to ask about the weather. You know, all the things that you could ask a normal voice assistant, controlling your smart home, whatever it is, all being done through that. And I love this because now we're talking about a wearable assistant that is going to be listening and able to talk back to you with, a, with its built-in speaker. But again, something that you can just leave on your wrist. That means that when you do wake up in the morning, you don't need to be calling out for your bedside voice assistant or you don't need to be worried about putting your watch back on, it will already be there, meaning at any time you can talk to that. And I love that. So that's going to be interesting. They're adding a ton more watch faces as well. I've seen some of the designs. They actually look really nice and slick. Uh, plenty of goal-based exercises as usual. They're now doing a lot more around smart tracking. And this is fantastic. And it's something I've seen in um, the, the Galaxy Watch 3 has this, where it really recognizes automatically what you're doing. And it sort of maybe notices that your heart rate is going up. And it says, hey, it seems like you're exercising. Can we track this for you? Fitbit's going to be doing this automatically as well. Fitbit's going to be taking it one step further and trying to recognize the type of exercise that you're doing, which is really impressive, whether it's you know, walking, running, 
um, going for a bike ride and things like that. So it's obviously going to be depending on speed and, and the amount of impact happening on the watch. I'm fascinated to actually see this one in person because so often, so often I will wear a fitness tracker, whether I'm testing one or otherwise, I wear it to the gym. Uh, we'll start our class. I do, a, I do gym classes. I don't usually just go there just to do my own thing. I like to go in, sit there for an hour, focus on something, have someone tell me what to do and then get out of there. Um, so often I will forget to hit go on the smartwatch that I'm using. And as a result, I leave and I've had no workout recorded. And it sucks because it feels like, what was the point of that? No one actually saw it. I, I can't tell anybody. No one, none of my connected friends on that platform know that I did a workout. And what's the point? So you have to take a photo. Um, so this is nice. Automatically tracking it, meaning I can forget about the whole thing from the beginning. Let the watch take care of all of that. Obviously, same thing. Um, Fitbit has a number of apps. I'm not going to say they have plenty in terms of you know, applications that exist on there. Spotify is always really nicely integrated onto their Fitbits as well. You can also have offline sync of some songs and some playlists, uh, which does help. There is an Uber app. There is a weather app. Again, not a great smartwatch, and it still doesn't look like they're trying to push that way. They're definitely much more focused on uh, the wellness side of things. You can do voice to text, which is always handy. If you are receiving an SMS, you can always reply back. The Fitbit app itself has to be the best fitness tracking app that I've ever seen. Um, it does break down and visualize your data better than anybody else. The only one that would probably come as a close second is Sunto. Their, their fitness app that's built into their watches and, and on their phones is fantastic. And I do think that's, that's really good to see. There is um, female health tracking for any of the ladies listening. Yes, you can do that here as well. You can also actually just log, um, you know, symptoms as well. So if you're if you've got a runny nose, if you're if you're having a bit of a cough, sore throat, you can actually log that into the app too. And who knows what that may mean for you later on down the track when you're visiting a GP. You know, how have you been feeling? Things like, well, let me look back. Let me look back. And sometimes you actually forget these things. The Fitbit range also still has uh, Fitbit Pay built in, and that means that you can you know store your credit card in there, go ahead and walk away. Um, you know, tap and go kind of thing. They're adding ECG to Fitbit Sense. Yes, Apple did this in their last Apple Watch. Um, Samsung has been doing it. It's a common thing that people are starting to add in. It's not enabled in Australia. It has to go through the TGA, which is a medical body, which classifies the smartwatch as a medical device if it's going to be doing ECG. So as a result, that feature will not be available in Australia. However, they have added a lot around stress management and skin temperature. So the actual Fitbit Sense has a sensor that will monitor the temperature um, inside your wrist uh, or your skin temperature to really understand what your body is doing throughout the day. And this could be really interesting in terms of your stress because it does elevate body temperature. It could also have an impact on, on your heart rate because what they're going to be looking at is how is your heart rate going 24-7? How does that correlate with your body temperature? And that's going to potentially give you new insights that you didn't have before. The stress management piece, again, all linked to those things, but it's going to be able to pause you and say, look, dude, you're stressed, bro. Like you just, can you take five minutes and you can actually go through a guided app on the watch that will talk you through a breathing exercise to try and bring your heart rate down, to try and cool you down, all those types of things. I think that Fitbit is really moving into wellness and it's not just about going for a run and knowing how many steps you calculated, all of that stuff is well behind Fitbit. They are absolutely focused now on how they can do more around stress and wellness. I think that's got to be extremely important. They're also going to deep dive further into sleep. 
So yes, we understand, oh, you went to bed at 9 p.m., you woke up at 5 a.m., that's how many hours you slept. But what happened during that sleep? What was your heart rate like during that sleep? How was your body temperature impacted during that sleep? And maybe actually tell you about things that happen in the nighttime that when you're so out of it, you don't actually know about. And again, if you do have sleeping problems, when you do go visit your GP, you'll have even more data that you can show them. And you don't have to be hooked up to all these you know, test beds and stuff like that. You'll just have that already in your hand. So really impressive stuff coming from Fitbit. Now, the Fitbit Sense is going to be retailing for $499. So still cheaper than, than an Apple Watch. Um, but at 500 bucks, it's a pretty serious cost to be spending on a Fitbit. If you drop down a level to the new Versa, the Versa 3, um, following obviously the Versa 2, the biggest changes that you'll see here, and you're not going to be upgrading from Versa 2 to Versa 3, guys. You're, you're somebody who is coming into this either fresh or upgrading from a basic fitness tracker to this kind of smartwatch. What they've really added here is GPS. It doesn't have, the Versa 2 didn't have GPS to be able to run independently. That's something that they've added in. It doesn't have this temperature sensing that the uh, Fitbit Sense has. So obviously you can see why they're able to reduce costs on this device. But otherwise, the screen, the voice assistance, all of that is still built in. The heart rate tracking, that is all still there. They look almost identical. I expect the colors to be slightly different. But otherwise, all of those things that we talked about in terms of symptom tracking, the Fitbit app, um, the watch faces, all of that will all still be there. Um, and I love the fact that you still do still have the ability to use the Google or Amazon voice assistant on the Versa 3. The Versa 2 only had Alexa, and it's not going to be something that will change in an update. That's just the way it's going to be, little darling. So I do like that there is some nice changes to the Versa 3. Uh, if I didn't mention it just at the beginning there, it is going to be selling for $399. So $100 less than the Fitbit Sense. Obviously, if you're trying to save a buck, there's an extra $100 in your pocket, put that towards a pair of Bluetooth headphones or something like that. Now, the Fitbit Inspire 2, uh, this is more of a fitness tracker. This is really going to be a thin device. Um, it does look like that more strip style fitness tracker, $179. Now, the big thing here, because it has got much less screen real estate, it's not a color display, it's not doing a lot of the smartwatch-esque type things, the Inspire 2 will have up to 10 days battery life. Ah, 10 days. That's amazing. I, I, I froth over the idea of long battery life when it comes to wearables. I just do because I hate the fact that we have to recharge these things sometimes. Now, it also comes with one year of Fitbit Premium. And I like that too, because that means it adds in a lot of different workouts and things that you can follow on your phone uh, to make use of your Fitbit even better. Now, it, it does look very, very much the same as all other typical Fitbits, 24-7 heart rate, activity tracking, um, that usual simple screen that tracks your steps and stuff like that. To me, it's that 10 days battery that's really worth talking about here. Beyond that, yes, you've still got your goal-based exercises. Yes, you can take it swimming. It's water resistant and stuff like that. Um, I like it. I like it if you just want a tracker. If you don't care about using any of the smart features, you don't want to talk to it, you don't want to control your smart home, you don't want to book an Uber, you don't want to control Spotify through it, yada, yada, yada. You can see where I'm going here. It's just a simple tracker. The good thing about this one is that you can wear it on one wrist and your normal analog watch on the other. Um, usually if you're wearing a Fitbit Versa or other, that is your watch and fitness tracker. But if you've got a nice watch, you can put your Fitbit on the other wrist. Um, when I got married, for example, I was wearing a Fitbit. God, it was a long time now, but I was wearing a Fitbit on my right wrist and my normal watch, my normal analog watch on my left. Um, it was interesting. I was tracking my heart rate through the wedding ceremony. Yes, the heart rate, heart rate did go up. I've been around Fitbit for a long time. I think I've got so much data in there that uh, 
they probably know everything about. So that is the new range from Fitbit. It is all coming to market very, very soon. If you're worried about Father's Day and somebody giving you a Fitbit for Father's Day, just give them a bit of a nudge and say, look, if anyone's thinking about buying me a Fitbit, hold off for now. Make it an IOU because there's some new ones coming. It's important to wait for these ones. I think the new changes are excellent. Absolutely excellent. Anyway, you can always check them out. They are all available online to look at and pre-order if you want to, obviously at Fitbit.com. Now, also just quickly before we start talking about backups, if you haven't heard the interview this week with Swoop Aero, it was, it's been received extremely well in terms of what I'm seeing in terms of listener numbers. Uh, but I absolutely loved it. I love the fact that we can talk to Australians running a company in Australia doing amazing, innovative things, especially when it comes to delivering healthcare to people with technology. And you're talking about drones that can fly and deliver somebody uh, medical goods. That, to me, is exactly why I love technology so much, because it actually can help people. Now, speaking of helping people, backups. If you do not back up anything on your laptop, then we need to talk. I have known too many people who have lost precious memories, whether it's photos, videos, documents, whatever it is, because they don't back up. There's a number of ways you can do it. Now, I had a, I had a meeting with Western Digital this week, uh, and we spoke about their latest USB hard drives. I haven't looked at USB hard drives in a long time. Uh, I moved to the cloud. But I will quickly talk about what they have announced, and then I'm going to talk about the cloud option as well. Now, first and foremost, they have announced what's called the My, My Passport SSD drive. This is a small, about credit card, slightly larger than a credit card hard drive. It's a one terabyte storage, stacks of space. To me, it's already mind-blowing how small hard drives have gotten. I get it. That does happen over time. What I love here, though, is that if you are looking at backing up large amounts of data, if you do choose the cloud, guess what? That takes a long time because it's dependent on your internet connection. But if you're moving large amounts of files onto an SSD drive like this, the SSD drive itself means that it can read and write extremely fast, but they've also made the technologies in this extremely impressive. So let me just give you some numbers. It will transfer, it will write files to the hard drive at 1,000 megabits per second. Good luck finding an internet connection that's going to allow you to do that. This is so awesome that if you had large home video files, if you had a, a folder full of images, whatever it is, it could be gigabytes worth or even a terabyte if, you can, if you've got that much. You just drag and drop. Trust me, that thing will take minutes to back up, if not seconds, depending on what you're looking at. If you've got a music collection, whatever it is, it is absolutely going to fly. So this is handy. And I, and I think for me, as much as I, I'm going to talk about the cloud, there is still value in USB drives because if you're somebody who is a creative, if you're working often on a computer where you're working on video files, photos, music, whatever it is, being able to have a quick backup like that is extremely important. Being able to take that USB drive to, to another computer, plug it in and be ready to start working is fantastic. Using it either as a second backup because you'll have a file on the computer and the replica on the hard drive is one thing. I know a lot of people who like to just keep everything on the hard drive and work from that. That's okay too, but do be careful. Drives can fail. This one does come with a five-year warranty. It also says here that it's got vibration resistance and it's even drop resistant up to almost two meters. So if you do drop it, your files aren't exactly going to fall off it. I'll tell you a very short story, actually. You just reminded me of this. 
Um, I remember when I used to work in the schools and I used to help, um, you know, break, fix or fix broken computers there. There was back then we were using, you know, um, three and a half inch floppy disks still. I remember once a teacher came to me and said, oh, Jeff, the files on this floppy disk are, uh, are gone. They're missing. I said, well, look at the way you're holding it. You're like, you're shaking it. And what do you think's happening to those files? They're falling right off it. And he used to believe me. I was joking and I would tell them I was joking, but it's true that you could actually make people think that if you shook your floppy disk, that uh, the files would fall off. And that was a believable thing. Now, moving forward, the cloud. Now, one of the reasons that I do like to work and keep my files in the cloud is because I change phones often, I change computers often, and I need to be able to access my stuff from anywhere in the world. So depending on whether I'm traveling, wherever I am, the cloud storage means that I can get to it from any device from anywhere. And if it's important documents, if it's photos, whatever it is, I never want to be held back in saying, oh, where is my backup? Okay. So everything for me automatically synchronizes to the cloud. Photos, documents, whatever it is. If my house burned down, heaven forbid, but if my house burned down, okay, I don't lose any of my memories. I don't have photo albums. I don't have a DVD stack. I don't have hard drives plugged into my computer. Everything is in the cloud. Yes, if my internet goes down, that's a bit of a problem. I get it. How should you use it? Well, use the cloud however you like. You can use it just to do backups and it could be a secondary backup or it could be a primary location. Or you can actually work from it in the way that I do. I have a Google account. So naturally, I decided to start with getting um, Google Drive storage. I quickly filled up the 15 gig that's free. There is also Google Photos, which actually allows you unlimited uh, photo storage at a set resolution. If you want your photos stored at their maximum resolution, you need to start paying for that. Um, So I am a paid user of the Google Cloud. And it's important to recognize this, especially as we talk about the comparisons between the cloud and on-device storage like that um, Western Digital product. So I said with Google, 15 gig free. If you need 100 gig, it's $25 per year. Um, 200 gig, $43 per year. Two terabytes, $124 per year. All the way, they have plans, all the way up to $375 per month for 30 terabytes. So what I'm saying here with the cloud is you don't have to worry about storage capacity. Trust me, Google's got it. And I started off on the 100 gig plan. I've since upgraded to the 200 gig plan. And guess what? I've since upgraded to the two terabytes plan. Um, You know, all our family photos, especially after having a child, you do start taking a heck of a lot more photos and video and it starts to really bump up that that storage capacity. Um, I also work all of my articles and things like that. I work off Google Docs. So all of that does get stored in the cloud as well. We also recently backed up, or my, my family recently backed up VHS tapes. We converted everything to digital. And obviously I then took that and uploaded that to the cloud, took up a stack of space. We had heaps and heaps of videotapes to do that. But how does that Google pricing compare to others? Now, the good thing to remember about Google is that I'm talking about backing up everything. So my photos and I have the apps, I have the Google Docs, everything is all integrated and working on any device, iOS, Macs, Windows, Android, whatever it is. Apple, Apple have the iCloud. A lot of people know about the iCloud because they get a message from on their iPhone that says, hey, your iCloud is full and you didn't even know we're using it. Now, they have plans as well. They have a 50 gig, a 200 gig, and a two terabyte iCloud plan in Australia. Uh, 50 gig, $1.50 per month, 200 gig, $4.49 per month, and two terabytes, $15 per month. 
I switch back to Google, it is cheaper. I repeat, it is cheaper than Google. Now, does that mean I get the same benefits? No. Can I really back up to the iCloud from an Android phone? Not really. Can I really access it effectively from a Windows computer? Not really. So if you do live in an Apple world, you've got a Mac, you've got an iPhone, you don't plan on really leaving that environment ever in your entire life, fantastic. If you just have an iPhone and you've realized that your storage is full and you're thinking, well, I better get a new iPhone because what other choice do I have? Well, this is your other choice. And a lot of people do tend to upgrade their iPhone because they ran out of space. And the reality is you can just go and start paying Apple a little bit extra and start using the iCloud take all the photos from your phone and sync them up to the iCloud and then have all that space back on your phone. The iCloud is good. Look, Apple gets it. Apple knows how to manage their ecosystem, but they are not very friendly when it comes to using other devices in their world. Um, it's the thing that they do. I know some people who live in the Apple world, but always down the track, people tend to tell me I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the Apple world. And it's so hard to get out. I would love to have a, an Android device. I would love to move back to Windows, but it's just too hard. I'm in iCloud. The other option as well, which I do talk to people about, is Microsoft. Oh, Microsoft. They have a storage service called OneDrive. <clears throat> now, it actually comes free if you've got a Microsoft 365 subscription. But if you don't have that and all you really want is storage, like Jeff, I just need storage. I don't want to use Google because, I don't know, I don't trust them. I don't want to use Apple because they're a walled garden. I want to use Microsoft. Okay. For $6.90 per month, um, it's a per user per month, so I'm going to say just per month because it's a bit over, over, uh, over dramatic. You don't get any of the Office apps and anything like that. You just get OneDrive, and it's one terabyte. Okay? Just a terabyte for $7 per month. Again, let me go back to the comparison to Google, one terabyte isn't available through Google, but two terabytes is $12.49 per month. And if I switch back, one terabyte is $6.90. So you can see here, there, are some there is some money to be saved. If you just want to have a, re a repository for all of your important things, there are plenty of ways to go about it. So how does that compare? When I look back at the Western Digital Drive, I can pay for 500 gig, 500 gigs of storage is $189 or $300, $320, sorry, for one terabyte. So at one terabyte, I pay 300 bucks, flat fee, never, no ongoing repayments, and that should be it for life. Maybe, unless it's full and you need to buy a bigger one, whatever it is. So you can see that I could pay the $6.90 with OneDrive per, per month um, for the same, for one terabyte storage, or I could pay 300 bucks upfront, each to their own. Personally, as much as I like a storage drive, and I usually travel with one anyway, just in case, um, I think the cloud is your safest bet. Anything can happen. Very good chance you're going to misplace google.com. Very good chance you're not going to happen. You can easily lose a hard drive. You can easily lose it. You can easily get burned down, whatever the case is. Um, you can't do that with cloud storage. And I just want you guys to keep safe. I want you to have all your storage all your files backed up, all your memories backed up because we should be passing all of that storage down to our kids who will pass it down to their kids. I mean, how else are they going to make a collage or a video about their ancestors in the future? That's exactly what's going to happen. So check out your storage options, but please, most importantly, back up. Back. Now, I wanted to talk quickly about Starlink. Now, Starlink is something that people are only just starting to hear about. 
It's actually been a project that's been ongoing for a little over a year now. We have in Australia the NBN available to customers on satellite. We have it's called SkyMuster. SkyMuster satellites, there is one. It sits right above Australia, about a, about a thousand kilometers away. That satellite can give users up to 25 megabits per second. It's terrible. It's, a, it's, a, it's probably the most embarrassing part of the NBN is that for properties that they just deemed too hard to roll the, the NBN out to, they put them onto the satellite plan. Now, you don't have to be living in the desert of Australia to be put onto SkyMuster. There are homes within 50 kilometers of the Sydney CBD that I know about that are forced onto SkyMuster and no other alternative. And in today's world, 25 megabits per second at best is embarrassing. So what is Starlink? Well, let me try and put these two together. Elon Musk is a guy who has crazy ideas. To achieve crazy ideas, he needed to achieve smaller ideas. One of those is Tesla. So he built the electric car and he started off with one model, which would help fund the development of the next model and which would help fund the development of the following model as well. And you can see where he's gone. He's gone Model S, Model X, Model 3, soon to come Model Y. There is the Cybertruck coming. All of those vehicles, all of those sales from Tesla is helping him fund the other part of his dream, which is SpaceX. Now, his ultimate dream is to get to Mars and to put people on Mars, to live there. But to do that, he needs to fund that kind of thing. Tesla is helping fund something in the middle. It's called Starlink. Now, Starlink is his plan to bring the internet to the globe. His fundamental belief is that 59, and this is true, 59% of the earth is covered in internet access or has access to the internet. That's a huge portion of the world that has not got internet access. Only 59% of the world has access to the internet. So Twitter, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. This, this show probably isn't accessible. It isn't. It isn't accessible without the internet. 59% of the world can access it. So to do this, he is planning on covering the planet with satellites. Now, we're not talking about one satellite like the NBN did for Australia. We're talking about up to 42,000 satellites. They won't be operating in the same level of orbit that SkyMuster does. It will operate around half the distance, around the 500 kilometer mark, actually between 340 to 500 kilometers away from Earth. This is why people are seeing them. So Elon Musk started to launch these. And when they do a launch, and you see those SpaceX launches that do happen, they actually are also launching inside that capsule that launches is 60 satellites at a time. So there actually already is a large number of satellites for Starlink um, roaming around the Earth. And they all follow each other. And that's why people have been calling into radio stations. And I heard this happen on 2GB the other week, where someone saw what they were calling UFOs, but it was actually about six or seven um, Starlink satellites all in a row. It looked like a centipede just moving across the sky. This is going to be the norm. You are about to, over the next couple of years, wake up early in the morning, look outside, and you'll see not stars, but Starlink, and you'll see stacks of them. Um, when you are talking about 42,000 satellites roaming across the earth, you start to get this mesh. And the mesh, if you go to a fruit and veggie store and you see a bag of oranges, that, that red mesh bag that they usually all stock in, that is what it looks like. So imagine if there was one orange in there and you just squeeze that netting around it, that kind of net is what it's doing with Starlink. So with all of these satellites so closely connected to each other, 
They actually use, use laser to connect to one another. And then obviously beaming down to the ground and at such a shorter distance from Earth than the NBN SkyMaster, we are talking about almost gigabit speeds of your internet from anywhere in the world. So the idea here is that whether you're in the CBD or you're in the Amazon desert, rainforest, whatever they've got out there in the Amazon, that's what you'll get. You'll connect to Starlink and you'll get those kinds of speeds. That means that it doesn't matter where you live, your internet will be just as good as the guy living in the city of Sydney. That to me changes the game for a number of reasons. First of all, you'll be able to think about a global internet. So this isn't me paying Telstra, Optus, Vodafone, or anybody else for my internet plan. This will be paying Starlink or SpaceX, whatever Elon decides to call it. That means that he'll have one price for the whole world. And obviously it will be adjusted based on currency and things like that. But it means that you'll have a global provider for the internet that has not existed before. I'm very curious as to how he'll manage China and countries where they do have a lot of censorship across their internet. I don't think that it will operate perfectly in China. I'm sure that the government will interfere with that. But when you think about a global internet, this has not been done. This is the first time. Telstra doesn't have a network outside of Australia. They have partnerships, but they don't have a network outside of Australia. This isn't roaming. This is one internet. So this isn't when you go overseas and you pay an extra five bucks a day from Vodafone to get your data. This is me paying a certain price per month. We don't know what that price is yet and going to use the internet anywhere in the world. That to me is amazing. And I do think that will draw huge, huge numbers. But obviously the biggest thing is what does it do for the NBN? Well, I think the NBN is still important. Anybody who's ever used satellite internet knows that there are issues with it. There is issues around interruption to satellites. Connectivity could, could fail. My positive note or spin on that is that with so many satellites, it will almost operate the same way that GPS does. When you think about when you open your phone and you want to do location tracking or you want to type in to Google Maps to see where you are compared to where you're going, it's instant now. GPS has gotten that way, and I think that's where Starlink will go. Um, I do imagine that a lot of households, if they want to use Starlink, will actually have some sort of receiver or beacon that they would bolt onto the side of their house, much like a Foxtel dish does have at the moment, probably smaller. Um, and that will become your receiver for Starlink. And obviously, how mobile devices connect to Starlink is something we need to figure out as well. And we'll probably talk about that as soon as it's possible. I am extremely excited about this because um, selfishly, I'm looking at moving. Selfishly, I would love to live further away from the city. And because I'm working from home and enjoying it and everything is on the internet now, I could probably do most of my life uh, from anywhere. So having a bigger property, living somewhere away from all the hustle and bustle sounds like a nice thing. But if I don't have adequate internet services, I can't do that. And I'm sure that I would not be the only person who would consider working further away from the city if they could still get or be promised the same internet services that you get when you do live closer. And this could really change the way people work and the way that people live. I'm fascinated by it. I'm so excited by it. The lower latency because it's closer to the earth, meaning faster speeds. And yes, with so many satellites, you should have availability all of the time. I'm excited. There are about 2,000 around at the moment. If you go to um, findstarlink.com, this is a website that was developed by somebody else, and this is not a, a Starlink website, but you can actually watch live where the satellites are at the time. And if you type in your location, it will tell you what time you could pop your head outside your window and actually potentially see them for a couple of minutes. Um, Later on, as there becomes more and more and more of these, it will become easier. 
This is without a telescope. If you do have a telescope, it also can give you coordinates to point and actually look closer at these Starlink devices. But, you know, it's going to come to a time, guys, where we look at the sky and we're not just seeing stars. We're seeing Starlink. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting. And I bag, I bag Elon a lot. The guy's crazy. But this is such a great idea. Um, and I can see that if he's got a global internet, this is why he's going to be able to fund his trip to Mars. Because imagine having everyone on the globe or even a percentage of people on the globe paying to use his Starlink. That's going to be some money. That's going to be some money. Will he lease it to other companies? I doubt it. But it's going to be interesting to watch. That, to me, is why I love technology once again. All right, folks, that's it. I'm wrapping up the show. It has been a joy, an absolute joy to talk to you about health and fitness, talk about backing up your things and looking after your files, and then to talk about the future of the internet. And yes, I had to throw in a reference around oranges and the netting around them. I think it makes sense. I, I visualized it perfectly. I'm sure you did too. Thank you for listening. Once again, if you have not left a review of this show, please go ahead and do so. And if you do have any, any questions, any suggestions, whatever you like, uh, please reach out to me via via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you like. Next week, we have an interview with the guys behind Snapchat. Now, if you haven't heard of Snapchat, it's probably worth tuning in because we're going to start from the basics and work our way up. Um, If you have kids, even more reason to be listening to this interview. It's a fascinating one. I had a lot of fun talking to these guys from Snapchat, and I can't wait to get that out to you uh, early next week. And then back to our usual news and reviews. Next week, there'll be a heck of a lot more to talk about because everything continues to change. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. Speak to you again next week. Bye-bye.